I was there the day Steve Allen's teeth fell out. Can you imagine? I'm just like, oh, blimey. What a pain. Honestly, one minute I was in the kitchen having a nice cup of coffee, and, well, just about op- opening a packet of coffee. And the next minute, the blooming teeth... I thought the bridge was going, actually. I thought, oh, dear. So I think we'll have to do a, a quick rush job to the dentist. So I'm going to sound a little bit withly this morning. It's amazing, isn't it, that when you, when you have a tooth out or something like that, it can completely change the way you sound. So that's the way we're going to be this morning, I'm afraid. You'll have to, you'll have to put up with it. And I'll do my best to get... you probably find by the end of the programme it should have adjusted itself. I don't really know uh, what else I can do about it, really. I've got it in my pocket, and so I shall go, <laughs> go to the dentist later on, and then hopefully he can sort of glue it back in again. What a pain, honestly. Just the kind of thing you don't need on a Friday. I'm supposed to be having lunch out today. Got the godchildren to see over the weekend, which actually can probably still go ahead. I've just got to get the teeth put back in. I don't know. It's so much easier, isn't it, when you sort of just have them on a plate... And they go in. But when you had bridge work done, and they were done... Oh, I think they were done ages ago. I can't even remember when they were done now. Must have been at least 20, 25 years ago. So, uh, oh, dear, honestly. Never mind. Never mind. Anyway, are you well? Kind of pales into insignificance now, doesn't it, really? Once, we, once we've got over everything, and we've sort of looked through the papers, and we're, we're trying to as much as... You watch, there'll be somebody joining the programme halfway through. And they'll go, you don't sound as you do normally, Steve. I'll be going, no. Because I'm three teeth missing at the front. Because it's a bridge work. So just just in case you don't know about dental things, let me just explain you. Uh, I had an abscess years and years ago when I was when I was sort of young, and when they drained it, they they took out the tooth. So the two teeth, either side of it, are sort of covering the uh, the gap in the middle. So now we've got a gap of three teeth, which doesn't exactly look so good. So we're just so uh, luckily it's only me and the producer. So you know, luckily she won't be looking. I should have to keep my face well away from her. But uh, apologies for that this morning. Nothing we can do about it. We'll just do our best and wander through. It gives a new new dimension to the programme. It gives a complete new dimension to the programme. I don't, I don't know what sort of dimension it gives to the programme. Whatever it is, it sounds a bit strange. But provided the uh, the dentist can glue them back in this morning. They've got some quite strong... I thought about super gluing myself, but you don't want to make a mistake, do you? I've heard of somebody doing that. Somebody once years and years ago, something happened, and um, they didn't want to spend the money on the dentist. And I think they actually took their own tooth out and put another one in. And I think they used superglue. I'm pretty certain that superglue was used. I remember thinking at the time, it's a bit dangerous, isn't it? I know they've got some pretty strong stuff in all the dentists where they they mix it up in a little kind of Petri dish kind of thing. But uh, anyway, that's that, that's today's woe, I'm afraid. God, no, what a woe it is. What a woe it is. At least, the, uh, at least we've still got the teeth. It's like, was that man who lost his arm or something, or his hand, in a combine harvester. And when he went to the hospital, they said, have you brought the hand? And he went, no. I said, well, go back and get it. Are we going to put it back on again? So he went back there, retrieved the hand, then went back to the hospital, and they, they kind of sort of reattached it. Clever in itself, isn't it, nowadays? Uh, 84850, uk, and uh, we shall get through as quick. I shall have to apologize every hour, because somebody will be saying, are you all right? I'll be going, yes, just lost my front teeth. Bit like being, you know, when you get kids, they go, I've lost my two front teeth. I'm a little bit like that this morning. So there won't be much smiling going on on the programme because it just looks a bit eerie, I'm afraid. So funny when you get used to having something. Let's be like, I don't know, used to your legs or something like that. And if you're in, in the Falklands and you come back and you don't have them, all of a sudden it's something that's, that's not there. Never mind, never mind. Don't moan about it, Stephen. Don't moan about it. You can't do anything about it. There's no dentist open at this time of the morning. You can glue them back in, so you might as well just sort of give up. Uh, front pages of the papers today. It's the, 
It's the aftermath of yesterday, the, the Texas town in ruins. This is Waco, just outside Waco. And this is after this fertiliser factory. That's not easy to say, is it? Fertiliser factory. We're going to have trouble with all the first today. Aren't we? Isn't it funny how you, all of a sudden you can't pronounce words that normally you would use every day of the week? So they've got pictures there. Plus they've got the heartbroken sister of Mick Philpot, who's told of her fury at her brother for killing six of the kids in the fire. Jimmy Savile is front of the sun this morning. They say here he may have sexually abused more than 1,300 victims. Uh, uh, so far, the police have recorded allegations uh, for 450 people. I can't do the Fs, can I? I can't. Every single word. We're not doing it, are we, this morning? Not going to happen, is it? I'll do my best. So, 450 people. I have to go round it. 300. No, that doesn't doesn't work. Every single story's got, got a foot in it. Have you noticed? Fury or you know, so any anything with a foot in it, we're not going to manage. This morning. It could be hilarious, I suppose. Not if you're me. It might be funny for you listening, but it's not much fun for me at the moment. The producer says, let me know how you feel, he said, and then we, can, uh, we could get an emergency programme. So when you have a choice here, you can either listen to somebody going through their five times table, or we can, uh, or we can put on a pre-recorded programme, which <laughs> makes me sound a bit more normal. I'm prepared to battle on with it this morning. I'm a bit of a trooper. I've made, made the effort in. It's such a pain, isn't it, on a Friday? Just when you don't know. It's a Friday again. I can't do first. That we can't do Friday. She's also got extra promos ready, so this this, this program could be somewhat shorter this morning. Let's, let's see if we can find out from uh, other stories. One Direction. I thought I can do One Direction. That works, doesn't it? One Direction. Yeah, let's just talk about them. All program. One Direction or Peter Andre. We could do Peter Andre. It's like learning to read again, isn't it? It's like you've had a stroke. A stro- <laughs> see, can't do S's. It's like having a stroke and then all of a sudden learning how to. Uh, to learn how to talk again and to read. It was interesting, talking to Mark Armand, uh, after he had his car accident, he had to learn, he had to be taught how to sing again. They had to sort of come back and teach him. I, just, I feel like I should be taught how to, how to read. It'll be so exciting. Later. Of course, I should be mortified if I go into the dentist and he says, oh, no, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to put some new posts in and everything else, and it, it could be quite, quite lengthy. So we'll uh, we'll wait and see. What a pain if you're a broadcaster, isn't it? Uh, One Direction uh, have had their waxworks done. I'm trying to look at them actually. They look um, they look they look good. They do look good actually. But mind you, I always think that Madame Two Swords, Madame Two Swords, make uh, wax work. Uh, plus, oh, I did watch the other night. I knew I was going to mention something to you. I did watch the Peter Andre program, and as usual. Peter is still struggling on, uh, still going on about his musical career. He still loves his girlfriend, and he loves the kids. Uh, but the one thing he he didn't seem to achieve in, in the programme was getting back into the charts. And I'm assuming that, you know, that's the big problem for any pop artist nowadays. If you get in the charts, it's a miracle. Uh, Peter, I don't think, has been in the charts for ages and ages. And so, consequently, he's... Um, He's kind of still struggling. He turned up at somebody's basement the other day and they started uh, sort of laying down some tracks. It's all very nice, but it's not stuff that's going to hit the charts, not any time soon. Uh, and so I felt a bit sorry for him because there was Pete in his car going on about the fact he'd been in the music business since he was 16 years old. And I thought, well, surely now's the time to give up because it's not kind of working, is it? It's not the kind of thing that's, uh, that's happening at all. But he, he, he perseveres. 
Apparently, a surefire way to damage dental work, says Paul, bridges is to bite polo mints or bite sellotape. Well, it's fallen out, so it doesn't make any difference now. It's allowed to be, have to be put back in again, which is great. Uh, Duncan says, you now sound like a ten-year-old child. Brilliant. So there you go. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. <laughs> Fantastic when you're a child. Not much, not much blooming fun when you're an adult, is it? But uh, I'm doing my best. Doing my best. It's always everything. Somebody says, I can't believe this is you speaking. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, 84850, uh, And then we, that's right, we realised from the Peter Andre programme that he doesn't write his own column. Now, don't tell me you ever thought he did write his own column, because uh, he doesn't. What what they do is they ghost it. Somebody will put it together, and they'll say, have you got anything else you want to say this week? It's like the Katie Price column. We were listening to Katie Price earlier on singing at the wedding. I can't remember what the song... What was the song? Some It was... Sometimes the sun comes up at noon. Save the best for last. And it was so auto-tuned, it was a little bit uh, of an, em- an embarrassment, I'm afraid. But uh, Katie Price in her column today, what's she talking about? <sighs> Nothing. Nothing at all, actually. Nothing of any any interest, I'm afraid. Nothing of any interest at all. There's a banker in the paper who's retired at the age of 49. 49. <laughs> oh, it makes you realise how many times you uh, you use an F in your uh, in your conversation on the programme, <laughs> which, which I like. Uh, Michelle in Rochester, the podcast yesterday was not there. Well, sneaking feeling there might not be one today either. We'll have to have to wait and see whether because I've oh, of course I've just realised I've got to record all the links for the best of Steve Allen. That's going to be fun, isn't it? We'll have to explain all the way through to people. Um, and then what else? Oh, we've also got to do the the links for in conversation. <laughs> oh, God. oh dear me, dear me. I don't know. A typical on a Friday, isn't it? I'm I'm so depressed. I'm going to have to cancel my lunch. Because I'd, I'd rather go go to the dentist and get uh, get that sorted out than sort of worry about anything else. So I shall uh, I shall have to try and sort that out a little bit later on. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Yoda the movie. I'm not really sure whether I want Yoda the movie. I like the idea though. Is it Bergerac? Duncan was saying they're going to bring back, and I thought that's a good idea. I was only watching Bergerac the other day, and I, I liked I liked Bergerac, but of course Duncan's favourite, his favourite is um, Lovejoy. And I did say to him, he, he texted me the other day at home, and I said, I've got the box set. I love Lovejoy. It's so good. I mean, you, you, you could carry on with those for ages and ages. Although they've all aged a little bit now. Tink, of course, I think, pitched up in EastEnders. What happened to the other people? I've got no idea, but I love the house. I love everything about it. Absolutely everything about it. I thought it was a super programme. And Bergerac as well. It kind of, it sort of reignited the interest, didn't it, in... Um, um, in um, what was it? Is it Guernsey or Jersey? Wherever he was, it was it was lovely. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Oh, Christos uh, <laughs> sent me a sent me a text. He says I'm way too young for Lovejoy. He says I hear you've been telling people not to vote for me for the Sony, and have been taking the Mickey out of my weight problem. I don't think you can take the mickey out of your weight problem. I mean, I don't think. I mean, that's that's there at all. He says, how rude. He says, where do you keep the sweets now? Ha ha, we've hidden them. Actually, there aren't any. There are, there are no sweets anymore. There's a reason for that. I have to take away temptation from, from Christo, who likes to go raiding cupboards in the early hours of the morning. And in my cupboard, there used to be bags of sweets. And when I say bags of sweets... 
there were bags of sweets. And she'd come in in the morning, and somebody would have started half-eating a packet of Rolos. And I'd go, now, who is that? And everybody'd go, Christo. Everybody used to dob you in. Everybody used to say to me, it's Christo again. So I started hiding them. And then people started finding them again. Dreadful. Oh, Alex has got, um, got an idea about gluing the bridge back in. And somebody now says, you're missing teeth have made you sound a little bit like Corporal Jones from Dad's Army. They don't like it up em, Captain Mannering. They don't like it up em. This is LBC Night Allen. Nick and the team. You don't think I'm going to attempt to say the word Ferrari, do you? At any time in the programme this morning. So Nick and the team with you at seven. And he'll be joined by the Shadow Chancellor, Ed Balls, who'll be taking your calls and telling Nick why he's still determined to run the London Marathon despite the Boston bombing. Boris Johnson... We'll be telling Nick about his trade mission to the Gulf and looking at the papers today. Yasmin Alibi-Brown, the British journalist and uh, author. They've also got this um, rape story, which is in all the papers of the man who's been found guilty of raping that 11-year-old girl. And the judge has said to him, you know, it, it, it looks likely it's going to be a life sentence. I mean, she was 11, and Nick will be talking about that this morning and talking about the, uh, you know, what, what makes a young person become a sexual offender. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari and the team after the news at 7 this morning on LBC 97.3. Plus, we've got the gadget giveaway. And if you have just woken up, yes, it is me. And yes, it's either it's either coughing, flu, or something. Duncan Barks came up with the right idea. He says, you sound fine. Yeah, right, thank you. Apart from the whistling all the way through. He says, do the dentist and get the Pinot flowing. <laughs> sounds like the answer to everything, doesn't it, really? Uh, John in Holloway said it sounds OK. And on the plus side, Steve, why don't you leave the bridge by your bedside and the tooth fairy leave a silver sixpence under the pillow, which says you can put that toward the dentist bill. That's from Kevin the Milkman. Thank you very much indeed. Alex says, I hope you don't mind me suggesting, but I glue my bridge back in with Loctite gel, super glue, in an emergency, and I find it lasts longer than the dentist glue. Oh, God, see, I don't want to put anything like that in my mouth. Thank you very much indeed. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm always worried that there's going to be something in there, and all of a sudden you might do it, and all of a sudden your tongue is glued to the roof of your mouth or something, so I'm not going to risk it. Definitely not. I'll let the, I'll let the dentist mix up the, uh, the stuff. He might say to me, I can't do anything about it. In which case, we then have to sort of think what we do next. I mean, luckily, we do have a choice of dentists in, in Twickenham, but I have a sneaking feeling that uh, it's gonna be, <laughs> we're going to be liquidising food. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I'm going to have to cancel lunch today. How can I do lunch today when I need this, this sorting out as quick as possible? So, anyway, uh, if you have just joined us... Oh, competition, competition which is the gadget giveaway for today. Uh, yesterday, oh, look, it's somebody from Northweald, where I shall be tomorrow. Kim Sharpington. Kim Sharpington correctly identified. I knew this one. Mulligatawny is a type of soup. And just soup. <laughs> and she got herself a fabulous Google Nexus tablet. Whoa, well done, Kim. From Northweald, Kim Sharpington. We've put you on the map, and you have become today's celebrity. Today, I'm giving away, wait for it, an iPhone... There we go. An iPhone 5. <laughs> an iPhone 5. The most desirable smartphone on the market at the moment, and you could be a winner at 6.30 this morning. That's right. One lucky person this morning will win the Apple iPhone 5. God, it's not easy, is it? Just by answering this question correctly. Just when you think things can't get worse. What type of food is a cantaloupe? What type of food is a cantaloupe? To enter, text the word gadget, followed by your answer, 
and sent it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. What type of food is a cantaloupe? Text the word gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850. Oh, God. Text costs £1.50. Plus your standard network rate to be text after the closing time. You won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. If this bridge had been anywhere but at the, uh, the front, we'd have been fine. See, it's all the foots this morning. So good luck. Your chance to win this morning on the gadget giveaway, the Apple iPhone 5. Perhaps I should go the Apple iPhone 1, 2, 3, 4, and it's the one after that. All right? Makes it sound a bit better, doesn't it? Makes it sound a bit... It's funny, I was only joking about a friend of mine, Steve, who's uh, 80-something, and he said uh, he said the other day, and he said um, he, he came in without his teeth. And, uh, and I said, you've forgotten to put your teeth in. He went, yeah. Uh, Christo said, do you need a day off? It's nice, isn't it? He said, um, perhaps it's time you retired. Have you made a will? He's very bitter this morning. I think he's drinking early. The trouble is, whenever he gets up this early in the morning, you know it's either to go back to the police station to have the tag checked to make sure it's still working, or failing that, he's drinking, or worse. What could be worse? 84850, steve at uh, Bryn says, oh dear, a broken bridge. Happened to me once. I was making a speech at a banquet... And suddenly the bridge broke and I could hardly speak. In desperation, I told the bloke sitting next to me, and miracle of miracles, he said he happened to have a spare set in his pocket and would I like to try them, which I did. I tried the denture and it fitted perfectly. And I did the speech with no trouble. When I sat down, I said, thanks a million. What a coincidence, I'm sitting next to a dentist. He said, oh, no, I'm not a dentist. I'm an undertaker. And he sends love. (laughs) Toothy love today. It is annoying, though, isn't it? It's, It's the kind of thing... That, that happens. It's never happened to me before. Certainly not like this. <laughs> it can only get worse, I'm afraid. Uh, Christo says, rude, I'm up early for my jog. Yeah, right. Yeah. 20 past four in the morning. The only people who go jogging at 20 past four in the morning are people like Kevin Spacey. Uh, can you, uh, says Ted, pronounce the word philanthropy? <laughs> Philanthropist. Philanthropist. Yeah, it's the first... It's the furs we can't do. I don't mind. I don't mind. Steve, I'm painting the living room, but the side effect of the chemo was losing my teeth. I have wonderful natural dentures, but for a month I felt like a set of horses' teeth. I've been for speech therapy, and now the speech is RP. Is that good? I don't know if that's good or not. (laughs) Really perfect. I hope so. Really, really perfect. Yeah, once they're back in later on today, we'll be fine. But not at the moment, I'm afraid. Not at the moment. Um... Don't start stuttering, says Barbara. You'll sound like Arkwright. Don't put your teeth in a tissue. I did. They end up in the wheelie bin. Apparently, superglue was actually invented for medical use. It was developed during the Vietnam War for closing up wounds. Oh, right. I still don't think you should put it in your mouth. Might be all right for doing, uh, you know, sort of little bits of skin and something like that. Anne in band says, don't worry, you found sound fine. <laughs> and uh, one here says, I watched Pete... This is Peter Andre in all his Jacko gear on stage, trying to do the moonwalk. How did he end up like this? I don't know. I don't know. He obviously thinks that he's a bit Michael Jackson. Jay says you hardly sound any different, which is good. Thank you very much indeed. I like that. Uh, also, the papers this morning. Let's have a quick look at the uh, the Daily Star. And this is Madeleine McLamy. It's a rare picture of Madeleine McCann's mum, Kate, smiling. We don't often see... 
Kate smiling. She's complaining in the papers about the internet trolls. It's, it's never-ending, isn't it, really? It's never-ending. I'm sort of going on about this. Uh, David Beckham is going to work with youngsters to find a new golden generation of world-class footballers, you know, which is great. But again, it's just huge sponsorship for, for Davey Boy Beckham. Who's good, but he's way too old for football now. Not that I know anything about football. I just think he, I think he looks a little bit too old for, for something like that. Lots of pictures of, of, uh, of One Direction. They're, they're very good, their, um, their, their waxworks. And so, presumably, when you go to Madame Two Swords, you'll be... Two Swords. You'll be able to have your picture taken with the boys. This, the, uh, the headline in the star is Spot the Dummies. But they do look very realistic. You know, they do look very realistic. Here's the teenager. This is uh, Oponipu Jaji, 18, under a supervision order for another sex offence when he followed his 11-year-old victim home. Life imprisonment, I suspect. Life imprisonment. Uh, and the Hillsborough campaigner, Anne Williams, has died. You'd never think, you'd never believe that she wasn't a lawyer. She campaigned for years. She was the real Iron Lady. There's a lovely bit. I've got to find this bit because it's very interesting. They were talking about uh, Margaret Thatcher's funeral the other day, and Paul, is it Paul Routledge? It must be in the in the Mirror. Was talking about you know not everybody was celebrating, you know like in London people were sorry not not celebrating people you know sort of clapping the coffin and everything else like that. And he was actually talking about that uh, in certain parts of the country. They were they were celebrating Margaret Thatcher's death, and what it is, it's Paul, Paul Routledge, and he was talking at um, uh, um, a village here, and this is in the country where people lost their their job, and he said yes, they cheered and clapped when the master of ceremonies cried, "Ding dong, the witch is dead." The miners' leader said, "She's gone, we're still here." This event is a springboard for our work in the community with retired and disabled miners and their families and everything else. There were roast pig sandwiches and a gazebo. That's not a deer, bellowed the MC. It's a special word for tent. He auctioned off the Witch's Dead T-shirts for £25, the red one 30 Strangely enough, Paul Routledge then has to put this piece in and said it wasn't a Tory Favours auction. Money is still tight in this part of Coalition England. Yeah, well, I don't know anybody who can afford to spend 25 or 30 quid on a T-shirt, so I think a little bit of a... You know, I mean, people move on. You know, people move on. Dinosaurs, you know, like Paul Routledge, keep regurgitating the same... We're never going to go anywhere, are we, if people keep going back to the same old things from, from ages and ages ago. And that's, that's why, you know, they need to sort of change. You can't still keep going on about the miners' strike. You still can't keep going on about it. You know, it's, it's, we've moved on. Margaret Thatcher is dead. She's been cremated. And there will be millions of people who were big fans of... Margaret Thatcher, maybe not Paul Routledge, maybe not the mirror. That's the line that they have to tow. But at the end of the day, it's just another politician. You might not agree with anything. You might not like Ken Livingstone. You might not like Ed Balls. You might not like Boris Johnson. You know, somebody somewhere doesn't like somebody. Might not like be, be liking me this morning as I whistle through the programme. It's a bit like whistle down the wind. I've discovered that we can't say Nick Ferrari. So we're just going to call it the Nick programme. I should be better with Susan Bookbinder. I think we could just about get away with Susan Bookbinder. So, don't forget, have a go for the, the gadget giveaway for today. It's the Apple iPhone 1, 2, 3, 4, and then the next number. Because we can't do the number 5. <laughs> it's not easy. And so it's the desirable smartphone on the market at the moment. And it can be yours. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, minus Bridge, on LBC 97.3. Time now is 4.30. 
Steve Allen. Morning, 27. <laughs> I'm going to have trouble with all of them this morning. I just better explain. Harry says it's all right, so I mean, that's OK. Well, up a bit early this morning, aren't we? But it's uh, my bridge fell out in the kitchen. Literally ten minutes before we were due to start the programme. I was trying to rip open, stupidly, a packet of coffee. Little, you know, one of those little things to to make uh, and take downstairs. And as I ripped it, I thought, oh, that's funny. I felt, I felt like I'd eaten a sweet or something. And it was my bridge. So uh, we're minus three teeth of a bridge this morning. So we're going to go to the dentist. So we're, we're going to power on through anyway. Uh, Chrissy Cox is one of the Military Wives Choir and Chairman of the Royal British Legion, Women's Section Military Wives and Girlfriends Branch, due to run on Sunday's London Marathon. Steve, but has gone down with glandular fever. So wish her well. I absolutely will. I know lots of people are running in the marathon on Sunday. I seem to be sponsoring half of them, which I don't mind, because uh, I wish I had the energy to do things like that, but I haven't, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, uk. We've everything in on the programme for this morning. If you, you send in a, a text or an, an email, a small dot of blue tack might hold it. Says no, it's a ridiculous blue tack's not going to hold in teeth, <laughs> and uh, temporary crown cement also. No, you need that. You need the super duper stuff from the chemist. You know, the the one that will literally hold together to the uh, the Titanic. That's the kind of stuff we need. So let's hope it uh, works a little bit later on. Eight four eight five zero Stephen LBC dot co dot uk Bergerac and Lovejoy's on Freeview says uh, John in Holloway. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly turning on the television. I'm constantly seeing Lovejoy and Bergerac. In fact, in equal numbers. But as I bought the box sets, it doesn't really make too much difference to me, but I like it. Don't forget, have a go for our gadget giveaway for today. It's the fantastic Apple iPhone 5. It's really nice. It really is. It's the most desirable smartphone on the market. I have uh, one. <laughs> Christo says he'd use polyfiller. Of course, he has a house full of polyfiller. Uh, so for what reasons, I have no idea. But he's going to apparently be with you uh, later on today on LBC. In fact, much later on today on LBC. Into the weekend. Actually, he'll be there for the, uh, for the marathon. Not actually doing it, but a lot of people will be, will be up early on marathon day. Most of the runners have got to go and collect their numbers today. So they'll be heading over to XL. I don't even know where XL is. How, how far away is XL? It's quite a way away, isn't it? Docklands. Oh, it's a journey and a half. And they've got to go and collect their, their numbers. A lot of people running for Help a London Child, so that'll be good. And it's those people that I've sponsored. But the Apple iPhone 5. One, two, three, four, five. Your chance to get hold of it at 6.30 today. But you need to know the answer to this question. What type of food is a cantaloupe? What type of food is a cantaloupe? Text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850. What type of food is a cantaloupe? Text gadget, then the answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. And good luck. I can just say good luck to you, because it's a, a really, really nice prize to have. Front page of the Express today. They're looking at a, a health MOT for the over-40s. It's 
all the Fs today, isn't it, I'm afraid? And uh, this say it could be the key to beating diabetes. The idea is to try and catch diabetes earlier on. New research shows nearly half a million people could be living with a chronic and deadly condition without realising it. Now, I've been saying that for ages. In fact, it's, I've, I've said it on the programme over so many years that if you think, if you think you, uh, you might have diabetes, go and get a simple check at the doctor. It literally takes about a couple of minutes to do it. They will actually give you, you know, a simple blood test and that will determine whether you're diabetic. I've got lots of friends of mine who think they're diabetics, but they're not. I've said the, the easy way to tell if you're diabetic, well, the, the most, one of the most common ways is how many times you're going to the toilet. If you climb into bed at night and then within half an hour you're up and you're going to the loo, then you climb back into bed and then another hour later you're up going to the loo again and you might go to the loo, I mean, at, at one point, you know, you could go five, six, seven, eight times a night. That means that you're diabetic, but you must go and check it out. Don't take my word for it. It's either that or excessive sweating. Uh, and that's in the winter as well. It can be really freezing cold outside and you can sweat for the country. So you should go and get it checked out. Simple little blood test will tell you straight away whether you're, whether you're diabetic. I used to get people saying to me, oh, can you test my blood? Because I've got a little machine which tells people, so you, you know, you put a, a fresh needle in, never use the same needle. I know some diabetics do, but uh, not for me. Different one every time. Do a little, a little pinprick and put it onto the little machine, and that will tell you if you're diabetic. I went to the doctor after I was tested, and that was donkey's years ago, and, uh, and he went, you're diabetic. I said, I thought so, because I was tested by a diabetic at work, uh, Alex, and he used to inject as well, and uh, he said, you need to go and see the doctor. I was registering 21, I think. You're supposed to be about six. You know, between four and six would be, would be quite nice, actually. Um, eh, or, there's a home here. For the uh, the winners of the lottery, this is Matt and Casey Topham. Uh, they want to um, build their dream home. At the moment, they're living in a ninety thousand pound former council house. I think they won forty five million. I wish they'd won thirty; it would have been so much easier to say. But they won forty five million, and so the home that they're having designed looks a bit like Tinky Winky La La and Poe would have. It's a bit of a Teletubby house, and they want it to be designed. They've given friends money. And they've handed out, but they've got a lot of money left, and they're now going to have this house commissioned. And why not? Why not? I mean, luckily, they are, they're both young enough to enjoy the money. All I do is get my teeth done. But they, um, they're out there having this, this house designed. So good luck to them. I don't have any problem with people spending the money. In fact, the whole idea of winning the lottery is that so things can change, so that you can change your, your life and you can either make other people's lives better, give to charity. You can do whatever you want to do. If you win £45 million, pounds, I mean, that really is absolutely lovely. Uh, Kate McCann has hit back at the, the vile web trolls over her marathon run. She's running the marathon, uh, and she's running for a, a charity that looks out for missing children. So she'll be running that. And there's lots of other people running for all sorts of charities. I think some people are running for the victims of the... Boston explosion, and uh, no doubt there'll be people running for Waco as well, because that was the huge story yesterday, which unfurled, didn't it, in the, in the course of the programme. We didn't know. It just goes to prove how, I don't know what the, what the death toll was yesterday. I know that uh, we were saying on the programme between 50 and 70, because that's what the local news were saying, so we could only report what the local news were, were feeding out to people. I think they've scaled back on that, but, I mean, it was just huge. They first of all got the phone call, and then, I mean, this thing then explodes. That's after the fire brigade turned up over there. 
And uh, it was I mean, it was like a small earthquake. Apparently you could feel the aftershock a few miles away, which was really terrible. Uh, True the Beatles have reunited. And this is Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. Why is it Sir Paul McCartney and not Sir Ringo Starr? Did, did people not sort of like Ringo Starr as much as they liked Paul McCartney? I thought they were equal. In fact, the other day somebody said, Sir Mark Thatcher. How did that happen? Why is it not... You know, Carol Thatcher CBE or something like that. She didn't seem to get anything, did she, poor soul? But it was Sir Mark Thatcher. And I have to, I have to be honest, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what Mark Thatcher's famous for, apart from getting lost in the desert and, and being in at a coup. Uh, Pete, Steve, Pete, Andre, does he really think he's taken Michael Jackson's place? He started wearing a glove, but it looks like an oven glove. Yeah, perhaps no, nobody's told him. I don't know. He, d- he does tend to model himself on Michael Jackson, and he sings a bit like Michael Jackson. Oh, good news. Petrol's going down in price. They reckon within weeks it'll be down uh, three pence a litre, which is, which is fantastic. I can't wait for it to happen. At the moment, it's an arm and a leg, isn't it? In fact, very shortly, it'll be cheaper to pour champagne into your engine. And uh, so we'll do that. The the toy car bomb plot gang have been jailed for 44 years. This is for terrorists. They were going to attack a territorial army base with a toy car. This is a, an Abu Qatar-inspired jihadist uh, who discussed sending the car through the gap under the main gate and detonating under a military vehicle. They're not the brightest pennies in the box, are they? This is Zahid Iqbal and uh, Ahmed. They were both um, bugged by the police. Uh, Syed Hussein was jailed for five years and three months it's kind of sort of waste of you know waste of time i don't know what we do with these people they're quite clearly not the brainiest are they i'm afraid um daffodils everywhere isn't it great at the moment i love the daffodils out i really think they look absolutely wonderful and yet they're uh, they're too short-lived you get them and we all go look a host of golden daffodils and then within a short space of time they disappear talking of disappearing there's a sailor in the paper today he fell overboard in the Indian Ocean, and of course, shark-filled, shark-filled. But he survived. They found him alive 28 hours later. And you think, there is a miracle out there, there is a god. He braved sharks, seagulls, and jellyfish in the waters off Sumatra. Jellyfish would be the worst thing. We used to get those a lot in Hong Kong. You'd see one washed up on the beach, and we used to sort of attack it with our spades. I don't know why, actually, why, why we attack jellyfish. They never, if they washed up on the beach, the chance that they weren't doing anything, we were just told, avoid them like the plague. And I've seen uh, outbreaks of, of jellyfish, whether you get these swarms of what looks like millions and millions of them. You know, really terrible. So when one was washed up on a beach, and some of the tentacles on them go like six, six metres. They go an awful long way down. You've got to be very careful. So th- the fact that this man survived... I don't know how about the seagulls, unless seagulls have taken to uh, sort of just sort of latching onto anything that's sort of floating around. Apparently, Mark Thatcher inherited his father's baron, baronessy. Baronessy? Baron? Yes, his baronessy. So that's why. But uh, it was all done. Oh, the, if you like the film Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, then here is the car, uh, as driven by Caractacus Potts, that uh, India Tasker loves flying. They've given her her own. They've made a little model of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's almost perfect. It's almost perfect. Her grandparents spent hundreds of hours building the replica of this magical car with even has got fold-out wings. I used to love it. I'd forgotten, of course, it was written by Ian Fleming. But when the show came to the London Palladium, what they had was the car that flew. 
At the end, it flew. I say flew, it came up. And if you were sitting in the, uh, in the first ashtray, then the car came right up to you. It was, and it was very clever. It had sort of flashing lights and all the rest of it. And kids thought it was really magical. The car actually took off. Not every night did it take off. They used to have terrible problems with the car, like they do in, in a lot of these uh, theatre shows now, where they've got, you know, loads and loads of technical things. I remember somebody, when they were doing, uh, what was the show? It was Sunset Boulevard. And it was a very clever set. The set rose up. And so you had a house, and then it rose up, and they could play underneath the house. So you could have literally two, two scenarios playing out on the same stage. And it was all worked on hydraulics. And when they first started doing the rehearsals, they couldn't understand why one minute they'd be playing underneath it, and the set would start descending. They'd be going, stop, 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 what's happening, what's happening? Nobody's touching anything. And it turned out that the equipment was moved by mobile phone. Somebody would go on their mobile phone, it would send a signal, and that would that would affect the uh, the hydraulic set. So once they'd reset the frequency, things worked an awful lot better. But it, it was a nightmare first time round. Same as in Miss Saigon. They have what's called a travelator. A travelator. That's a good word this morning. A travelator. And it came down from the back of the stage with Claire Moore singing on it. But most of the time it broke. And so she would spend her first song singing behind a black curtain. She said, which wasn't the best thing. She said, I wanted to poke my head out and go, hello, I'm still here. But uh, it, it, it never worked. Interesting to hear Duncan talking about slapping. We'll talk about slapping in a moment. And don't forget the gadget giveaway for today. It's the Apple iPhone. Einstein drives here. It's the next one. This is LBC 96. With Steve Allen. Morning. 12 minutes to... One, two, three, four, and the other number that comes after that. Uh, the reason we're doing this this morning, and we're trying to be as brave as possible, is because my bridge fell out earlier. It just collapsed. And uh, so I'm now minus three teeth at the front. So there's no smiling on the programme today. There's no nothing like that. And uh, I'm afraid we have a lot of trouble pr- um, um, pronouncing our Fs. Because it's funny, isn't it? But all of a sudden, you can't do things. Be- and as somebody said, I'm, I'm sounding a bit like the cast of Dad's Army. They don't like it up and kept it menring. Because everybody seemed to talk like that. They all seem to have their teeth, which is, uh, which is a pain, really. Uh, Duncan was talking earlier on about uh, slapping and about disciplining children. Now, he, he said that he'd, he'd never slapped his uh, uh, daughter. And I, I'm of the opinion that actually slapping a child doesn't actually, you know, help, help the situation. It's the threat. The threat of your father coming home and you being in trouble. That's the thing that led you to to be a a better person. But they say here being strict can lead to happy, secure children. And I suppose, as as Duncan pointed out, we've all got to kind of adulthood, haven't we? We don't seem too affected by things. So I'm assuming... I can't remember if I was... I think I was slapped on a few occasions. I think I was. I think my father might have... You know, you always duck, don't you? You duck. I don't think my mother ever hit me, but it was the threat. All she had to say was, wait till your father gets home. And that was it. And you'd then th- I'd look at the clock and go, I've got three hours to win my mother back round again. That was the only thing that you could... It was terrible. It was so terrible. It was you used to panic. You'd hear your father's car and you'd think, oh, no, I'm in so much trouble. And then you'd come in and my mother would shut the kitchen door. That made it worse. Made it worse. You'd be thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be in big trouble now. And then the kitchen door, and then he'd walk up the stairs, and you'd think, oh, no, I'm in so much trouble. 
So much trouble, and you'd think, don't hit me, please don't hit me. But it was a deterrent. You only did it a couple of times. You never did it again. So I think, you know, saying to somebody, you must do that. I mean, I've, I've seen adults who are very rude to other adults. I heard a, a scenario the other day, somebody was telling me about, about somebody who'd said to somebody, would you like to do so-and-so? And they said, listen, let's get this straight. This is how it works. I decide what happens. And you think, God, even it, perhaps it was a difficult childhood. I don't know. It's, it's the kind of thing that you, you sort of worry about. When you get adults who seem to have a chip on their shoulder about something, you think, does that go back to your childhood? Is that something that, you know, your parents hit you or they didn't hit you or they didn't give you any love? There's always an excuse, isn't there? There's always something that, 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 that goes on. Uh, the one thing that I've always said over the years on LBC 97.3, and to anybody who'll ever listen, is that we don't complain in this country. I complain constantly about everything. I'm not particularly good at complaining in restaurants because you're always worried. A friend of mine went out to a a very well-known place, complained about the food, and then when they came back, he said, we'll we'll do it again. He said, no, I'm now worried that the chef's going to spit in the food. And the manager said, I will stand over him and make sure it doesn't happen. As if to say, well, maybe it might have happened. And I got quite worried. So you don't like to complain in restaurants. You eat it and you go, oh, dear. A friend of mine the other day had had a Chinese meal. And it wasn't very good. And he complained. He said, and what you would have thought they would have done is offer you a replacement or your money back. So they didn't offer anything at all. We don't complain in this country. There is a, there is a way to do it. You know, you have to do it. If you start shouting the odds, if you go into a place and you start shouting, you're going to get nowhere. You know, you start abusing, say, a sales assistant in a shop because you've got, you know, something wrong. I mean, there used to be. We used to do a programme on LBC 97.3 years ago, and we used to have Jackie King, and she was a consumer queen. And she would say, listen, if you've got a problem with an item you bought from the shop, uh, and when I say you've got a problem with it, it's got to be a fault. Not that you don't like the colour or something like that. that. That isn't going to get you a money back. They don't have to give you a money back. But if there is a fault... And if it's not of merchantable quality, that's the line, not of merchantable quality, then you get your money back. So if you buy a pair of Wellingtons and they let the water in, then you take them back and you don't want to repair, you want a replacement. And bearing in mind, the one thing that shops will try to do is pass you off to the manufacturer. Well, you don't deal with them. You deal with the shop. Okay, there's two things you never do. You don't accept a repair. If it's broken, you want a replacement. And secondly, you, d- you, know, you don't want to contact the manufacturer because you bought it from the shop. You didn't buy it from the manufacturer. And she said, if you go in and you... Exp- they used to hate consumer programmes. You know, people working in Dixon's and Curry's and places like that, they would go in there because all they wanted to do was sell you the item. Once, once they've sold you the item, they weren't particularly bothered about the follow-up, the aftercare. And that's the bit that the Americans do really well. We don't do it very well. Because the salespeople, all they want to do is sell you an extended warranty. And, you know, we don't want extended warranties. All I want is an item that works. So if I buy... I remember somebody saying to me the other... What did they say? Oh, that's right. I went to buy a pair of Ray-Bans sunglasses. And the woman says to me... Um, well, in fact, I've had this before. I don't know why I keep going back to the same place, because it's beginning to annoy me now. And you go in there and they go, can I just have your name for the receipt? And I go, no. She said, well, I need it for the receipt. Well, well, you don't need it for the receipt. You know, I've got my slip here. That tells me I bought these sunglasses, you know, and you will have a record of it. I'm not giving my name. Oh, can I have your postcode? No, you can't. What is it about? She said, well, what happens if they break? I said, if they break, I buy another pair. 
I'm not going to lose sleep over a £100 pair of sunglasses. I'm really not. And I've never broken any yet. In fact, I'm more likely to lose my bridge than I am to lose a pair of sunglasses because I look after my glasses. And so, consequently, when you go out there and you go and complain in shops, you've got to do it properly. If, if you complain at a, at a doctor or a, a medical practitioner, I mean, they are service providers. Just like anybody else, they're offering a service. I mean, you, I mean if, if you don't think you've been treated well, you can complain. You can complain to the General Medical Council. I mean, sometimes they're, they're, they're the best port of call if the issue is, is with a doctor. If you're dealing with restaurants and hotels, you know, then if the food is up, not up to scratch, then you complain. You tell people, I've sent food back before. When I've said to them, I've been into a restaurant, doesn't matter where it is, and they've had liver and bacon and mashed potato and onion gravy, and I thought, oh, how delicious. Because not everybody likes liver. I love it. I was brought up on liver. I know it sounds, some people go, oh, yuck, yuck, yuck. Mind the rate I'm going at the moment, everything will be liquidised by the time we get to the weekend. But I would, I would say, when they said, how would you like that cooked? And I'd go, cremated. And they'd say, I said, listen, charred, black, charred. I don't want any pinkness, any redness. I don't want anything like that at all. I want it cremated. And so it would arrive at the table. I'd look at it and go, cremated. When I say cremated, I mean I want it black. I want it black. I don't like pink meat. I'm not very good. I've seen them cooking on the television. They cut the meat out and you go, oh, dear, no, not for me. Thank you very much indeed. So always complain, but do it in a nice way. If you do it in a in a sneery kind of way, the person who's serving you won't won't thank you for it, and they won't like you. And the whole idea is you want really good service. So I always say to them, oh, "That was horrible. That was really bad. Don't don't say anything to chef, but that really wasn't a good dish." And they'll always go back, and they'll always you know make make note of it. And nine out of ten times, they will cross that item off the um, off the bill. If they don't, then you don't ever go there again. You really don't, and it's it's just. You know, you have to learn to complain. The Americans do it brilliantly. The Brits sit there, you know, with our family. Oh, the food is terrible. Waitress comes over. Everything all right? Yeah, it's fine, thanks. We don't mean that. Can you tell I've got no teeth in at the moment? No. Can you see I've got no teeth in? No. You're just saying that, aren't you, because you've had a drink. (laughs) Um, Steve says, uh, Deanna, I don't think Sir Mark deserves the title. It just makes a mockery, doesn't it? Good luck with the teeth, she says. Thank you. Uh, somebody says, speaking of Ian Fleming, don't you think Sarah Ferguson would have made an excellent, excellent Bond girl? I don't think so, not really. Sarah Ferguson, the one who waved at the funeral. Hello, hello, it's me, Sarah Ferguson. I don't think so. On Celebrity Juice last night, says Chris, I saw, on one side, Peter Andre, on the other, Helen Flanagan. Pete said he was doing a world tour next year. When Keith Lemon asked him to name six countries he was touring, he couldn't answer, and Helen didn't know where Australia was on a map. So that's the trouble, dim people nowadays. Not so much dim as just just badly educated. You know, you're, you're, you're touring the... Pete, why would you be doing a world tour? Nobody knows you. Where do you think they know you, dear? Ironapa? You know, what, uh, uh, perhaps if you're just playing bars, that's OK, but you're not doing a world tour. Let's not be stupid. I'd love to find out. I'm going to try and find out today how many people Peter Andre turned up with to Celebrity Juice, because I bet they were wetting themselves laughing, going, he's got an entourage with him, as if he was, you know, like a Michael Jackson kind of character. Uh, why is Sir Paul McCartney and not Sir Ringo? Because everybody loves us bass guitarists, but uh, merely tolerate drummers, says Kevin. He says, our drummer listens to another radio station, so I'm safe. Well, you've not managed to persuade him to switch over, 
Good Lord, honestly, we need to sort this out. immediately. I can't have people listening to other radio stations. I had a driver like that the other day. Definitely don't want that. Uh, 84850 steve at uk. The gadget giveaway for today, after Kim Sharpington from Northfield won a fantastic Google Nexus tablet yesterday. Today... It's the Apple iPhone 5, the most desirable smartphone on the market. One lucky listener will win it at 6.30 today. And the question is this. What type of food is a cantaloupe? What type of food is a cantaloupe? Text the word gadget, followed by your answer to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. So the Apple iPhone... What a nice prize to have on a Friday. No teeth, but an Apple iPhone 5. Can't wait. Take a short break for the news at 5. Back, other side of this. Morning. Welcome along to Friday morning. We can't do our... This morning, I suddenly realised as well I can't eat a biscuit. So I mean, I, I could be losing weight by the end of the program. In fact, you can't do anything when you haven't got your three front teeth in. But never mind. I've, I've just I've just cancelled my lunch for today because I thought to myself I could put food in my mouth, but it wouldn't actually make much. Couldn't actually eat it. I just have to have a bowl of soup, which is nice. Anyway, I hope you're well. I shall I'll let you know on uh, on Monday how we go with this. We're going to have it's going to be interesting because on Sunday we have got the best of Steve Allen. And then on uh, Sunday morning as well, we've got the In Conversation. And this week, we'll have a couple of clips, actually, from the people this week. One is Ardlo Hanlon, and the other one is Marty Pello, I think. So they're our special guests for In Conversation this week. And uh, also, we'll have another little clip as well of Jane Asher talking about uh, people with... What are we talking about with, with Jane Asher? What was the... Uh, Parkinson's, that's right, because we're making you aware this week of Parkinson's and how... You know, you might see somebody and think, oh, they're drunk, but in fact, they could have Parkinson's. So we'll be talking about that later on. Thank you to Paul for bringing us up to date with the latest episode of Peter Andre. Yes, Peter Andre, my life, loves his kids and his tea cosies. Sorry, his beanie hats. He's 40, he's a bit old for putting beanie hats on. But anyway, to kick things off, Pete went down to the country to spend some time with Emily's family. This is the girlfriend. Uh, well, two of her brothers, at least, as her mum and dad didn't seem to be very much in evidence. After being shown how we collect eggs... Because they have chickens. We were then treated to a spot of art and craft with Pete cracking some very off coloured jokes, mainly about passing wind, all of which went down a bit like a lead balloon. Then off for pizza and the obligatory mobile phone pictures posing next to his fan. Uh, the following day, his best friend came back to help finish the room he'd been decorating the previous week. This time, his mate brought his dad with him, who just happened to be a painter and decorator. Shame he hadn't rocked up the week before when they were flogged a pair of curtains instead of a throw by the grinning guy at the DIY shop. All of this paled into insignificance when Claire, his agent, loomed, literally, as she's now rather large, interview to see how he was doing in the first unintentional laugh of the night. Looked increasingly uncomfortable when Pete told her of the opposition in Malta and they'd got a thousand-signature petition to remove him from his cultural post in Valletta. He told her quite rightly the papers had all been covering it and demanded to know why she'd not told him. Claire, with a frowning aside to the camera, remember it's her company that makes this programme, admitted she hadn't read or been told of what any papers or magazines had printed, which uh, has to be said for a manager, not good, says Paul. And as we're getting nearer Valentine's Day, Pete goes shopping to get Emily some presents. Cue the usual starstruck shop staff and fan. Why he doesn't buy online, I've got no idea. 
But anyway, he's uh, spending time with the kids. Don't forget, Pete loves his kids. And then he realised he's getting older and much of his fan base is now male. <laughs> uh, in the middle of the proceedings, because he's still hurting, uh, the people who write his column rang for details. And Pete said, no, I, I don't want to do that. I mean, there was one bit where his girlfriend, Emily, the one who loves the publicity, was wearing a, a Viking helmet with horns on. And they wanted to use some word based around the horns on the helmet. And Pete said, oh, I can't have that. Her family read this, this column. And I thought, but you're discussing it on television. What's the difference? Because he winks at the camera. So quite clearly, he hasn't separated real Pete from pretend Pete. He says, anyway, I mean, he, he, he told people, he said, I want to keep things private and be less open about things. This is a man with a camera next to him in the car. I mean, the trouble is, he is somewhat delusional, I'm afraid. Somewhat delusional. But uh, it, it is very interesting. Uh, next week, Pete will find out that Katie Price is pregnant. He says, by the way, the voice today, not so much Jones from, uh, from Private Eye, more Ian Lavender as young Pike. Thank you. Yes, I don't know. Anyway, he doesn't want to talk about Emily. She's not in the public eye. Yeah, right. It's all a bit funny, isn't it? Poor old Peter Andre. His life. They've got, I think they have to find things for him to do. I mean, half the time you think, he must be doing a bit more than this, mustn't he? There must be more to Pete's life than going down and sitting in somebody's basement in a little house where they had a recording studio. And then we were proudly told that this person had, uh, had done stuff with Kylie. I thought, not in this studio, they haven't. I wasn't actually aware that Pete had a recording contract, and I can't remember the last time that Pete was actually in the charts, but the programmers... It's, I, I came to the conclusion, it sounds a bit odd, that without the cameras and the show, Peter Andre couldn't sell a ticket to a scout hut. It's the, it's the, the, it's the publicity that's generated from the TV programmes. I can't see how he's going to manage anything else. More on this lottery couple. I love it when they start spending money. It's great. They've, they've said here they want to spend five million quid. And what they want, they want an underground garage for ten cars with an artificial waterfall, a grotto-like swimming pool with jacuzzi, acoustically sealed pods, housing a cinema room and a study, the latest digital technology and security surveillance, eight bedrooms, landscape garden, jogging track around the house. In other words, they're, they're building their dream. Sounds lovely. They want a mini maze, an orangery, a drawing room. I think probably in their case they mean for drawing in as opposed to actually having a, a, a drawing room. And, um, and the rest of it, as I say, they'll be, they'll be spending on architects and people like that. It's lovely, actually. I think it's quite nice. I'm glad that they're spending the money. I'm very pleased for them. So they should. They won it. They won it a year ago. They've done exactly what people say you should do when you, um, when you win a lot of money. Leave it for a year. I, of course, will be... Um, I'm just checking, actually. Christo has sent me the Peter Andre uh, tour dates. This is the the world tour that Peter Andre is doing. OK, here we go. And uh, check out Pete's next appearance. That's a great, great picture of Peter Andre with a pair of headphones on and his top showing off his manly physique. And uh, this is the... Right, he's playing West Malling in Kent. He's playing Haywards Heath... Uh, Birmingham, NIA, oh, and Leicester, the Leicester race course. Oh, that's good, isn't it? The Leicester, that's a big venue. Is this a world tour? It's not a world tour, is it? And that takes you up to, that takes you up to August of this time. Plus they have VIP packages. I like the idea of VIP packages. That means that you go to see Peter Andre and you can probably have a cup of tea and, and you get a picture taken with him. And so this, this company operate, uh, for Peter Andre, he's done a, a massive 
30-31-day sellout arena tour. And so now you can do meet and greet before he goes on stage. And they're all sold out. Now, I think we were shown this last time round. It applies for about six, six or eight people. What it means is that you have a general admission ticket, not even a posh ticket, meet and greet with Peter Andre, uh, an autograph opportunity, a VIP collectible laminate and lanyard. What's that? I don't know what that is. That sounds a bit boring, doesn't it? Uh, VIP commemorative pass. In other words, it's only a general admission ticket. All taxes. But you have to purchase a ticket to actually be, be eligible. It's nice, isn't it? But they don't tell you how much. I'm having a look at the venues. Cambridge the Corn Exchange, Swindon, Bristol, Folkestone, the Lees Cliff Hall, uh, Doncaster, the Dome, Grimsby, the Auditorium, and that's not the world, is it? It's not a world. Why does he call it? Perhaps they've told him it's a world tour. Perhaps they've said to him, listen, Pete, it's a world tour, and uh, if, if you mention it when you're on. I don't think West Malling in Kent, bless their hearts, and I'm a big fan of West Malling, is actually the place to... Um, to be seeing Peter, and, and you get a, oh, a lanyard is what we've got here with our pass. Oh, not exciting, is it? So you can wear this thing around you. Well, I've got one here. It says he's got no front teeth today. Sounding somewhat peculiar. I can't, honestly, I can't get out of the building fast enough today. I should be sitting outside the dentist going, please put this back in. And he's going to go, I can't because it was done. Oh, it'd be awful if he can't. It'd be awful if he can't. I'd, I should be gutted. I should be so gutted. <gasps> That'll be terrible. I mean, he's a, he's a good dentist. He's done stuff for me before. But I have a feeling he doesn't do really complicated stuff like bridge work. But whether he can glue back in... Oh, please. Oh, dear. Baby Jesus. Please, if you're listening, let, it, let him be able to glue back in. Thank you, Christo, for the, the world tour date. So there aren't any... There's no world tour. Perhaps that's why I didn't, <laughs> didn't know anything, I suppose. But fancy putting him on there. I'd love to find out, though, from somebody on the programme, Celebrity Juice, exactly how many he turned up with. You know here it was over 20. And when he turned up to the Saturday Kitchen with James Martin. James Martin said to us, there were more people turning up with Peter Andre than are working on Saturday Kitchen. Still can't quite work out which one was pre-recorded the other day, Loose Women or that ghastly Ben Shepherd programme with poor old Lisa Faulkner who can't present for Toffee. Well, I think probably both recorded. Interesting. Uh, Don and the team say, you were talking about the Brits not complaining. Yeah, we don't complain. We're not very good. And the Americans being good at it reminds me of the Faulty Towers episode where the American guy wants the Waldorf salad. Brilliant comedy, British through and through. Yes, he goes in there, he goes, I want a Waldorf salad. Um, yes, goes Basil, hasn't got the faintest idea what a Waldorf salad is. I shall, I shall get the chef, although the chef's gone, I'm afraid. We can't persuade him to stay. He didn't want to stay and make a Waldorf salad, and so the whole thing degenerated. What do you mean, you can't make a Waldorf? You go to any American hotel, you know, not that I ever believe that Faulty Towers was real, any American hotel, they'll make you whatever you want. They'll make whatever you want, that, that's good. Uh, Richard. Says Steve, surely titles should be earned. Why should Thatcher's husband and son have them uh, for her being Prime Minister? The Duke isn't called King. The lisping, he said, is not too bad. It's, it's, it's not too bad, is it? It's not, it's not too, it, it's bearable. It's, be- it's just annoying. It's, anno- it's, it's annoyed me so much this morning. I can't tell you how cross I am about the whole thing, especially when it fell on the floor. The worst thing would have been if it had actually broken. On the, that would have been terrible, as it's not actually broken, because it's all one. One piece. But it was made years... I forget what I paid for it. Thousands years ago. So with a bit of glue, they can stick it back in again. At least it'll stop this blasted lisping thing which is going on uh, this morning. But it's Friday, so I don't really... might be awful if it was if it was tomorrow, wouldn't it, really, I suppose? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, apparently, just letting you know, I went to the studio 
when Peter Andre was doing Celebrity Juice, and as per usual had his film crew there, and with him also his brother. Oh, he calls him his bros now, doesn't he? His bros. Nothing, nothing off limits with Peter Andre. He looked like a big shot, as per usual, and as for Helen Flanagan, she looked a bit ditzy. Well, she is a bit ditzy, isn't she? I mean, apparently she couldn't find Australia on a, Australia on a map. Oh, she pointed at Russia. Port- I mean, really. I mean, it's an embarrassment, really, isn't it? Because we, we shouldn't laugh at the terminally stupid. It's not their fault. They can't help. Uh, 84850, steve at says, Bet you're pleased you're not doing an in-conversation with the actress who played Carrie. I don't even know who Carrie is. Who's Carrie? See, I don't even... Like the horror... I don't know. I don't know any character in Coronation Street called called Carrie. Probably just as well, then, isn't it, really? Uh, and incidentally, if you go gardening, you can be lighter. Well, failing that, lose your front teeth and everything will be liquidised. I mean, the weight could be falling. The producer was saying that she's been ill. She said, it's great. She said, the weight is coming off. Not that she's large. I'm not saying that in any way, shape or form. Wouldn't find me being fattest on the programme, would you? Quarter past five. These headlines with Dan Whitehead. Photos and video footage of the two suspects. C97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Philip Schofield's taken drugs. He's admitted. He said, I wasn't very good at it. This was years and years ago. And he hinted he dabbled with drugs while working as a children's presenter. <gasps> Shock horror probe. Shock horror probe. Called out the police. He said uh, he did his share of wild partying. He's 51. It was mainly drink, he said, as opposed to drugs. He wasn't very good with things like that. He was interviewed by Holly Willoughby for a fashion magazine. And, uh, and he was asked how he'd managed to hide his dark side so well. What, there's more? Don't tell me there's more. I couldn't bear it. There's more, more revelations. Don't tell me. Don't tell me he's put women's clothing on or something like that. I couldn't bear it. Not with Gordon the gopher. He says, uh, I, was, I, was, I was never much into drugs because I wasn't very good at it. We were simply getting lathered, uh, which is good. He has presented many shows. And he did actually, recalling one incident from his youth, he told Miss Willoughby that after a drunken lunch, he and a friend spontaneously jetted off to see the Berlin Wall. Oh, lovely. Okay, the kind of thing you want to do. A friend of mine jetted off the other day to, um, where'd you get Brussels? God, oh, what a place to go to, Brussels. Isn't he quite liked it actually? But he wished he hadn't done it midweek, which is probably the best thing. Uh, the typo from Paul in Manchesterford on the last one, uh, more like Pike from Dad's Army as opposed to Jones, where Private Eye came from. He said, "God alone knows." Yesterday, which is the name of the Freeview station you mentioned. They show Bergerac, they run the summer wine, Colditz and Butterflies. Yes, I've seen loads of episodes of Butterflies. And also there's another thing. Where the Heart is, is it where the Heart or Heartbeat and this hospital, I can't remember. The heart, Heartbeat's very good. But they seem to have done a crossover with this hospital where Wendy Craig is the matron. They seem to have a lot of the a lot of the same characters wandering over. A couple of the policemen are the same. I can't remember what the hospital thing is called, and I thought, is it is it is the hospital set in the same era? Because all of a sudden I've seen people popping up who've been in Heartbeat who are now in this hospital thing. And they call the same names as well. Uh, I didn't see Joan Bakewell being interviewed by David Frost. <laughs> She's 80 going on... For, I know, it's unbelievable, isn't it? 80. I saw a picture of her the other day in the paper. I thought, 80 going on 45. Oh, that we should all look like that, Paul. He says, well, I hope I look like... Minus the dress. Well, that's too much information, I think. We don't want that kind of talk on a, on a Friday morning, do we, really? 84850, uk. We've everything in on the programme this morning, as uh, we generally do. I mean, we've had so many stories. Malling is pronounced like mauling, says Rob from Tutti. Oh, so it's mauling. This is, this is where Peter Andre's appearing, is it? 
That's very odd, isn't it? Very strange. Uh, another one here. Surely uh, title should be earned, Steve. Yes, but you can pass on, can't you? You've just woken up 21 minutes past five. Kim Sharpington from Northweald yesterday identified mulligatawny as a type of soup and won herself the fabulous Google Nexus tablet. Today, I'm giving away, on the gadget giveaway, an iPhone 5. It's all the apps. The most desirable smartphone on the market at the moment. And you could be a winner by 6.30 this morning. It could be your name I'm reading out on Monday morning. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Very nice. So one lucky listener will win the Apple iPhone 5 today just by answering this question correctly. What type of food is a cantaloupe? What type of food is a cantaloupe? Text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, then your answer. A cantaloupe is a type of... Then your answer. So it's gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850. And it's got to be here by 6.30 this morning, so you've got just over the hour. Just over the hour. The text will cost pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions on lbc.co.uk. Uh, there's a, a very interesting uh, story in the paper today about a man who had spent three months locked up with murderers, drug dealers and rapists as a result of a £400 million divorce wrangle. So Scott Young, who claims to have lost more than a stone in weight while inside, was clearly keen to make up for lost time. The day after he left Pentonville Prison, cigarette in hand and Louis Vuitton designer bag slung over his shoulder, he was back on the society party circuit with his girlfriend, Young, 51, who served three months of a six-month sentence for failing to reveal his financial secrets to his ex-wife, was sporting newly cropped hair, but the same battered old leather jacket that he went in with. Mrs Young, a former model, insists her ex-husband is still worth up to £400 million. Uh, he claims he hasn't got a penny. It's all been, uh, all been lost. Uh, he was jailed in January after a judge revealed that he'd refused to reveal where his money is. Uh, he insisted he should have been kept in jail. Uh, they once lived in a £14 million Oxfordshire home. And he says, I can't believe I'm being locked up with murderers, drug dealers and rapists over a matrimonial matter. Well, you know, if you hide your money from the ex-wife, she wants a bit. She claims she got £400 million. He's claiming that um, they haven't... He hasn't got a penny piece. He lost it all in this, this strange deal in Moscow. It does sound slightly odd. But anyway, he's out on the town with a very young wife. And of course, if you've got that much money... Of course, he hasn't. Uh, then that's what you can do, isn't it? I wonder why she'd want to be with somebody who doesn't have any money. He's not exactly a looker. You're not going to go, cool, he's good. You're going to go, he lives in a nice house. That's what it's going to be now. Um, also, the paper today, the uh, the stories about the uh, the Tories, who they say need to woo more ethnic voters. David Cameron must do more to woo non-white voters, or he has no chance of winning the next election. Nick Ferrari uh, today is going to be talking. I think Boris is in today. I think Ed Balls is in as well. So uh, lots and lots of things to talk about. And how the cost of renting in London has rocketed. I mean, it is seriously expensive now to rent a place in London. I know lots of people who couldn't even possibly afford to, to buy a place, so they have to rent. And rents can be £100 a week, £200 a week. That's why most people share. It's the only way that you can do it. Boris Johnson will be talking about his trip to the, the Gulf. And uh, Ed Balls will be taking your calls as well today. There we go. One minute called Clegg, next minute called Balls. Uh, and uh, LBC Brand, a view 
I like that, actually. The 25th anniversary of the Sunday Times Rich List. I love the Sunday Times Rich List. I absolutely love it. I spent ages going through it, wondering why, A, I'm not there, and B, trying to work out, you know, how much money you need to actually get in to be on the, uh, the lower level. And I would. Apparently the upper classes are obsessed with sex. As Tatler has turned into a posh version of page three, an ex-editor has said that uh, it's what they do instead of working. The upper class says, really? Strange thing to worry about. And so they've got... I don't know, does anybody read Tatler anymore? More like Titler now, I suppose. But they, they don't... Um, who actually buys it? Isn't it just pictures of people going to society parties and stuff like Isn't that right? Oh, right. The producer's friend buys it. That's nice. For what reason, though? Is there something... You know, do they have particularly good recipes? Or is, you know, squirrel pie or something like that? Just to see the parties and to see who's actually out there. Because you've never heard of half these people on there. I, I look through the, the pages of Tatler on the odd occasion. We used to... You know, every magazine we used to have delivered to LBC years ago. Every single magazine, from Country Life through to, you know, What's on Television to uh, all the women's magazines. Okay, everything was delivered. And then for some reason, somebody, I don't want to mention any names, cancelled all of it. It was sent to us for free. But it was a great source of, of finding stories out. You know, you could, you could, I could fill a programme on celebrity gossip quite easily. And you only have to go into Waitrose or a newsagent or something like that to see how many celeb gossip magazines there are. It is, it is the new, the new big thing. I mean, there must be 20 or 30 titles which come out sometimes twice a week. And you look at them and you think, who's buying them? And I stood there once at WH Smith at Waterloo Station. And I walked, because I have to go to Waterloo to get home. Lenny would be going, oh, where are your teeth? I'd be, in my pocket. I didn't say anything to Brian this morning at all at, at uh, Twickenham Railway Station. <laughs> such a nightmare, such a nightmare. But anyway, so I, I, I watch people buying these magazines, and it's women. Women buy these magazines, and they, they don't just buy one, they buy two or three, because they're taken by the front-page story. Now, nine out of ten times, the person who's featured on the front has never spoken to the magazine. They're, they're what they call rehashed interviews that they've lifted from something else. You could probably listen to In Conversation, and you could rehash an interview with any one of a number of celebrities who come in on a, a weekly basis to see me and have a, have a little chat. Uh, sad for the daffodils. A lot of them left to rot. because uh, and We had the other day, didn't we, some of the garden centres, because the weather's been so awful. They were getting rid of flowers and stuff like that. More Romanian travellers on Park Lane... They're sleeping rough there, in between doing whatever. Uh, they're not the most welcome of visitors. Uh, they don't care. Uh, the police really don't want to know anything about them. There's about 60 or 70 of them now. And they drink and they go begging, uh, because that's all they do, these people. It's, it's so easy. You just sit there and just hold your hand out and somebody gives you some money. Well, I don't. I don't give to anybody begging at all, I'm afraid. Absolutely not, not one penny piece. As far as I'm concerned, if you're young enough... I can understand if you're old enough sitting there in a wheelchair, but they're not. They're young enough to get off their fat bottoms and go out and actually, you know, get a job. We all have to work for a living. I do like the story. It's a very sad story. It's of a girl called Kaylee Duff, and uh, she's had a dream wedding, which is actually really lovely. But she doesn't know the, uh, the groom because he's a model, been hired in, because she's got a terminal cancer. And... It killed her father at a young age, and she wanted a perfect wedding. So they staged a wedding for her so she could pretend she'd had a wedding, which I thought was quite a nice thing. You know, you get people when they're, when they're diagnosed with terminal cancer, 
And people draw up a wish list. And they say, I'd like to swim with dolphins or, you know, put Steve Allen's teeth back in his mouth. You know, something like that. People come up with, you know, or sort of hold Steve Allen's hand, you know, guide him through the streets of London. You know, and stuff like that. Or, you know, I'd quite like to see Steve Allen, you know, encased in concrete and propping up a motorway bridge. That was a fairly popular one at one point. And uh, with or without his teeth, nobody really cared. And so for her, she gets the, uh, the wedding with her grandmother and her mother and loads of other members of the family. And it's lovely. But she's, uh, she's got a model for a husband. I don't think she knew him beforehand. His name's Danny Whisker. <laughs> Make up your own jokes, I suppose. Anyway, it's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. No smiling on the programme, notice there. I can't do smiling today, actually. It makes it look even worse. So it's uh, the news headlines. It's 5.30. News headlines with Dan Whitehead. Detectives investigate Steve Allen. Morning. Being fairly ginger about everything today. Oh dear, they can glue it back in again. The bridge fell out earlier before the programme. The one thing you don't want to happen if you're a radio presenter is anything to affect your voice. And you don't realise, do you? Your teeth. Because it's the action of putting your tongue against your teeth that makes you form certain letters. So we're having a lot of trouble with the letter F today because because there's a gap in the middle. I'm just sort of blowing air through it. It sounds a bit stupid, I'm afraid. So uh, just bear with it. Probably doesn't look too good either. So hopefully today, fingers crossed, the dentist can work his magic and can put a bit of magic glue on and uh, stick the thing back in again. Oh, terrible, isn't it? I'm going to cancel all sorts of things. Anyway, experts have named TV's most influential shows. The top 50 shows of all time. And uh, these are the ones that they say shape television. Everything... From the Eurovision Song Contest through to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, The Generation Game, Wicker's World, with Alan Wicker, Strictly Come Dancing, The Office, Morecambe and Wise. Morecambe and Wise is number four. Morecambe and Wise is number four. Isn't that good? Only Fools and Horses, number two. Downton Abbey. What do you think the number one programme that has shaped your life is on television in this country? What do you think the number one programme is? If I tell you that Faulty Towers is in there, Jack and Nori, Delia Smith... The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, which comes strangely above the X Factor and Monty Python's fly- Monty Python's Flying Circus, uh, plus Life on Mars, Steptoe and Son, Antiques Roadshow. I used to love it at the beginning. Dun 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 dun. And then we'd have that little bird, that little automaton in a cage, which sang the little singing bird, which was very pretty. You can buy them now in in uh, in China. They do a lot of those kind of things. But this was a little metal one, which was very nice. Arthur Negus, we used to love. But the number one programme, the one that, that sort of was influential on your life and everybody else's life, apparently, is Life on Earth. Made in 1979 and uh, presented by David Attenborough. The man who, I mean, there isn't anybody else who can present programmes like that, is there? There is absolutely nobody else who who can present a programme with such authority and make it so entertaining. It doesn't matter what it is. I know that there is a a huge team around him, and that team put things together, and they film certain things, and it's just beautifully done. But I love it. I just love the way that he presents. His his presentational skills are absolutely legendary. Catherine is over in Qatar and says, I'm going to meet Boris at the British Embassy on Saturday night here in Qatar. Any messages? Well, he's with us today. He's with Nick Ferrari later on this morning. So he will be talking about it. She says, you are, by the way, the best way to start the day. Thank you very much indeed. I like the idea of being the best way to start the day. I don't mind being the best way to start the day. I think that's, that's quite a good idea. <laughs> 
<laughs> not the best for some other people going, oh dear. Weather for today makes no difference. I'm going to be spending most of it in tears, I should imagine. Cloudy with scattered showers. Drier in the afternoon with some sunny spells at times. Winds very much lighter than recently. The high 12 centigrade. Currently it's nine tonight. Dry overnight. Some good clear periods developing. Feeling cold with some mist later. And tomorrow fine and dry with some good spells of sunshine and a cold start. Sunday fine and dry. Becoming cloudier later. And Monday rather cloudy and breezy with some patchy rain. So there you go. That's the uh, the forecast on Tuesday dry with sunny intervals. But today it's cloudy with scattered showers this morning. And uh, becoming drier in the afternoon. Uh, don't forget we have our gadget giveaway for today. And this is the fabulous Apple iPhone 5. Uh, so yesterday it was Kim Sharpington from Northfield. So well done, Kim. Congratulations. She correctly identified that mulligatawny is a type of soup. And won herself the Google Nexus tablet, which is lovely. So congratulations to her. She's put Northfield on the map. Big market down there on Saturday, as you know. Uh, today, it's the Apple iPo- iPhone 5. Apple iPhone... Oh, what did it make sure you do? Apple iPhone 5. It doesn't actually make any difference you put your finger in your mouth either, I'm afraid. Apple iPhone 5. It's definitely the action. Did that sound slightly different, didn't it? You know why? I put my finger in the gap. So, Apple iPhone 5. So you can do it, can't you? Perhaps I should just put a piece of cardboard across the front and paint it white. You're right, next door. We okay? All right. Uh, so, oh right, the Apple iPhone five. So, no, Apple iPhone five. I'll just get some chewing gum and sort of chew it and make it look like teeth at the front. It's the very desirable smartphone, ladies and gentlemen. And somebody will win it today. But you need to know the answer to this question to be in with a chance. What type of food is a cantaloupe? What type of food is a cantaloupe? To enter, text the word gadget, followed by your answer. A cantaloupe is a... So you put the word gadget, then the answer, and you send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. A lot of people texting and saying it's very funny listening to trying to pronounce F words. I never thought I'd be saying on this station I'm having trouble pronouncing F words. But uh, I'm, do- I'm doing my best, as they say with it. I'm doing my best under adverse conditions. <laughs> but it's, it's working, I think. Uh, best show with some mothers do have them. Yes. I think uh, I, would, I would have to agree that that was a, a very, very good show. Recomplaints. Says Johnny G. Flew to Lithuania on Monday after queuing for half an hour to get through security at Stansted. They decided my case needed to be opened. It remained on the belt for over ten minutes before I could persuade somebody to check it. The staff were very rude and arrogant. They didn't care that my gate had now closed and seemed to enjoy the fact. I put in a complaint and I'm sending the story to the Mail and the Telegraph. Interesting what the, what the result is, actually. Mary says, can't make a Waldorf salad. Why? We're fresh out of Waldorf's. That was, the, that was the gag, wasn't it, at the time. We're fresh out of Waldorf's. Jimmy Savile on the front of the Sun this morning after uh, a former Met Police commander, Peter Spindler, told NSPCC child safety campaigners there were probably a number of people who never came forward who were abused by Jimmy Savile. They're now saying 1,350. There are 450 who came forward 
but they reckon, the, I don't know how they work that out, actually, I'm not too sure how it's been worked out, but they say 1,350, which is over a, a period of time. So uh, that makes the front story. Uh, Dappy, stumbling around a hotel with some white powder on his nose. I'm assuming talcum powder or something like that. And uh, he was out at a club. There's something the matter with people who wear baseball caps. I mean, he's 25. Is 25 too old to wear baseball caps? I don't know. I don't know. It's like looking at Peter Andre on his programme wearing a beanie hat. And you ask yourself the question... Isn't 40 a little bit too old to be wearing a beanie hat? Isn't that something for, you know, getting down with the kids and happening and all the rest of it? Isn't that the kind of thing? I don't... I don't really know. Um, the Jimmy Savile thing, we were all taken in right to the top of the establishment. Well, as I said before, nobody ever said anything to him. The only person who ever said anything was Louis Theroux. And that's on the, the DVD box set of Louis Meets Jimmy, where it was a very bizarre interview, a very strange interview, very much sort of one side, with Louis Theroux doing his sort of quasi-interviewing, trying to, uh, to find stuff out about Jimmy Savile. And he mentions the, uh, the stories about being a paedophile, and it's, it's just brushed aside. It was quite brave to have asked it. But it's a, it's a very telling insight into Jimmy Savile, who was... And he, this, this, this ex-copper, Peter Spindler, is quite right. Everybody, it wasn't as much taken in. It was the fact that he was Jimmy Savile. Can you imagine going to a paper and saying something while he was alive. I mean, people would have probably laughed you out. I don't know whether people did go to the newspapers while he was alive. I'm really not too sure. But we were all aware of it. We didn't know what it involved. As I've said before a million times, I mean, there were stories in Fleet Street, even when we were there all the years ago, saying Jimmy Savile likes, likes little girls. But nobody quite understood the implication. It was, you know, it was, we didn't... I don't think we knew what age little girls. We didn't understand anything like that. We didn't understand why, you know, he had an interest in Broadmoor Hospital. And the, and the answer was it was to get closer to people who were vulnerable. And that was why. That's why, you know, nobody said anything when he was doing Top of the Pops. He put his arm round girls. But then so did lot, all the other presenters. So that's why people didn't think it was anything unusual. It's only later, and with hindsight, you look back at Jimmy Savile and knowing what he was like. Although I'm, I never met him. There were loads of people who met him, but he seemed to spend most of his time in that tracksuit jogging, and he got loads of coverage on the BBC, and I suppose, the, you know, there must have been a cover-up to a certain extent. There must have been people close to him who knew what was going on. You can't keep things like that quiet. I mean, you know, did he take people back to his house? I don't know. But I tell you one thing, if, there's, if, if you're thinking about any compensation in this, there won't be any. He left, I think, four and a half million pounds. That was what the estate was worth. It's down to three million already. You know why? because of all the legal fees that are being used up. It's being looked after by the bank. I think it could be Nat West or somebody like that. But uh, already they've spent over a million pounds on the legal side of it. So the amount of money in the pot has dwindled. And I don't personally think anybody's going to get any compensation. I don't think there'll be any... I don't know who the money was going to. That was the only thing I was never never made aware of when we talked about it he left this money he had the property had the car they sold things what about all those people who bought the stuff at the auction you know bought his tracksuit bought you know the, the flash watches and stuff like that i don't really know how they're going to sort out compensation as far as i know there's no there's no court date that's been set can you put somebody on trial and award compensation if they're dead i don't know if you can do that anymore i don't think that's going to happen in this country and also most of the money will be swallowed up by legal fees don't find poor barristers, do you? People... Oh, I can do poor. Poor's a good word. Perhaps I can weave the word poor into every conversation now. But you don't find poor people in that profession 
So when, when people talk about we were all taken in, I don't think there's going to be any... I think people are hoping that there's going to be, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds handed out in compensation to people who claim that they were abused by Jimmy Savile. Out of the 450 who have claimed that they were abused, I'm assuming there's going to be a fair number of people who, are, who weren't. But it's, it's very difficult to prove anything nowadays. So whether or not they're actually going to be able to put this case through court, it's, it remains to be seen. And I, I, I feel it being highly unlikely, I'm afraid, at the moment. And then how do they work out compensation? Do you say, right, well, you know, everybody's going to get £100,000? Because they're certainly not going to. They're certainly not going to. It's going to come down to practically peanuts. By the time the lawyers have taken all their share, and they, they seem to get first dibs on this, then there's going to be very little left for anybody else. The whole thing is just a, a ghastly mess from start to finish. Still to come, how to get yourself a bottle of uh, Plonk... Worth ten ninety nine for two twenty nine. Interested now, aren't we? News headlines with Dan Whitehead. Detectives investigating the Boston Marathon bombings have released. Big and toothless, I'm afraid. This morning, eleven minutes to six. Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning. Nick will be joined in the studio by Ed Balls, the Shadow Chancellor. We'll be taking your calls and telling Nick why he's still determined to run the London Marathon despite the Boston bombing. I think we should. I think we absolutely go ahead with it, and we, we just... You know, so many charities are going to rely on this. So many charities, I think we stick two fingers up to these people, and uh, we do it. And also, bear in mind, this was something that happened in America. They're not likely to travel over here, and I would think that, you know, we've had marathons before. Boris Johnson will be telling Nick about his trade mission to the Gulf. And uh, looking at the papers this morning, Yasmin Alibi-Brown. They're looking as well at the sentencing of an 18-year-old man for the rape of an 11-year-old girl. I mean, he, he does have a previous conviction for this. That's what, that's what makes it so awful. And he only got ten months for the last conviction. I mean, for this case, theoretically, the judge could give him a life sentence, but at the age of 18, it would be very unusual. I think a lot will go on a mental health report. This poor girl was raped over a period of, of three hours, and they'll be asking the question with a, a consultant on sexual crime, what makes a young person become a sexual offender? Apparently, the strangely enough, and this you will probably find difficult to come to terms with, the majority of sexual abuse against children is by children and young people. Often, perpetrators are victims of sexual abuse themselves, or at least violence in childhood. And they say, really, it comes down to pornography, which can sexualise a child earlier on. Because they did a survey, didn't they, a while ago, and they discovered that the majority of schoolchildren between the ages of 11 and 14 had all seen hardcore pornography. Some of them even have it on their phones. Some schools are now clamping down on people taking their phones into schools because uh, kids are taking photographs of private things and sending them round to everybody else without realising the implications of stuff like this. And so there is, there is that huge danger. It's, it's the biggest thing on the internet, isn't it? The biggest thing on the internet would be pornography. But apparently it's the most searched-for thing on the internet. Margaret in Earlsfield says you were humming the opening music for Going for a Thong, not the Antiques Roadshow. Yes, da-da-dun-dun-dun-da-da-dun-dun-dun. It was lovely when those studio lights dimmed and then they came up. I loved it. Brilliant programme. Really, really nice. Anything that educates you on, on antiques, and I've worked with a few in my time, I think has got to be good. Uh, Malcolm says, try reciting the schoolboy poem. <laughs> um, no, if a fella met a fella in a field of fitches, could a fella tell a fella if a fella itches? Yes, I don't think I don't think I'll ever bother with things like that. I'm not doing tongue twisters as bad enough. Not having the teeth in, without worrying about anything else. I'm afraid. Uh, I I can hear that you're struggling, says Neil. So I've just ordered some Billy Bob teeth. 
Thank you. And, uh, yes, I, I have no intention of reading out that other thing. It's an old one. I, I quite like tongue twisters. Uh, 84850. You mentioned not knowing, says Shelley, how they worked out the number of true victims. And I guess I say they worked out that only one in three Savile victims have come forward, because 450 times three is 1,350. But it's, it depends on how many you think. They, I mean, the police are saying, and the 450 who come forward, they reckon that more than half could be fantasists, people who've just, just made it up, people, people jump on, on bandwagons, strange though it might seem, if they think there's some money to be made. Do you remember we had a woman over here who claimed that she'd lost a relative in 9-11 and went all the way over to America, paid for a trip, and it turned out she was a liar. She didn't have any relatives over there at all. And then there was another woman who came back claiming she'd survived it. She wasn't anywhere near it. You know, you do get these people, so you just you can't take everything on face value, I'm afraid. I wish you could. Uh, little Julie says there's only one word to describe Peter Andre's show, and that's yawn. Well, it's, you do worry, don't you? The poor old deluded Peter is still struggling on with this, this musical career, which appears not to, be going, not to be going too many places, I'm afraid. Not to be going too many places. When I worked in plastic surgery, says Jackie, we used sterile superglue for sticking. Like sort of nose jobs. My nan used to use it to stick her bridge back herself when it fell out. She said, sending you last night's Paddock Woods rainbow to brighten your day. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Very nice indeed. Very nice. My turn for a senior moment. The bird in the cage, says Paul. And the music you hummed was not Antiques Roadshow. It was the predecessor going for a song featuring Arthur Negus. He said, you can't have ever seen it because being 37, like me, it was on long before you. (laughs) <laughs> Perhaps it was a repeat. Perhaps I watched a repeat, ladies and gentlemen. I could never tell. He said, I'm now slightly worried. I just went onto my Facebook page to be confronted with an advert inviting me to spend time with Peter Andre. If it's OK with you, he says, I'd rather not. By the way, living oop north and being working class, the only tattler I was aware of until I managed a paper shop was one of the chain of cinemas frequented by the, the Mac Brigade, which was near Oxford Road Station. Still there, but part of the Corner House Arts Complex. Do you know, actually, talking of things which they pulled down, there was a piece I should have brought in. I should try and remember to do it next week. It's in Country Life, and it's a pub in the East End, and it's all boarded up. And it's by a famous museum, and I can't remember which one it is. But anyway, the museum wants it pulled down, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I thought the whole idea of museums was to preserve heritage. And somebody has said that why don't the museum do this pub up and, and have it as a true Cockney knees-up pub and have it as, like, a living museum? That would be really brilliant. So that tourists would go, they'd go, this is a proper... Co-, you know, you could have pearly kings and queens who sit there, people behind the bar in... You know, in sort of old Victorian outfits and stuff. You know, as opposed to pulling these pubs down or turning them into, into what do they, what do they call them now? They're not. Are they bistro pubs or something? Beast. Oh dear, I mean, really, they're huge. Go to Shepherd's Bush. Look at some of the enormous pubs down there. And small wonder that people really, really struggle to keep them going. For simple reasons that in many of these areas, people don't drink now. They find it cheaper. Oh, that's what I was doing. There was something I'd forgotten to do for you. I was trying to tell you how to get cheap booze and how you can actually uh, get booze very cheaply now. And the answer is, it's called um, stacking. Have you ever heard of this before? It's, it's where you go out. So, for example, Kenko Milicano Coffee at Tesco in March 2013, a 100-gram tin costs three ninety nine. You can get it for 49p. How do you get it for 49p? Right, offer one as a special offer, price of a tin, cut to one ninety nine. Offer two, pound fifty cashback available if clicking through the Tesco site from Quidco. Saving £3.50. 
So that's what you have to do. Uh, the bonus, the offer was redeemable on Quidco three times. So some bought £11.97's worth of coffee for £1.47. Grocery shop uh, at Tesco, commonly available, £60 of shopping for £37. And you do it by two separate codes for money off. First, the grocery shop worked together. So £5 off £30, £50, and £12 off £60 can be stacked. Offer two, £6 cash back if you click through from Quidco. And so it goes on. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant way of doing it. Frankly, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. But, you know, what you should do, really, and I do see people doing it now, is cutting out vouchers from magazines. And they never used to take them in, in search. They say, no, we don't take vouchers. Because at one time you had to buy the item to qualify for the voucher. Now they'll just take the voucher and just knock the money off. They don't actually expect you to buy the item. So that's quite a good idea. And there, there are lots of things online. I mean, there's one here. £10.99 a bottle, OK, for a bottle of wine, just to highlight the wine. But if you buy six, it's £30 for six, which uh, it, it's been reduced from £65.94. Then you get 25% off two cases. So two times 30 is 60, minus 25% is 45. Then you get £10 off with an online code and get free delivery. That's 35 quid. And then 750 club card points worth £7.50 using another code, 35 minus 750, £27.50, which is for 12 bottles, £2.29 a bottle. For the same wine that they're selling for £10.99 a bottle. Do you follow that? doesn't matter if you didn't. It's in the, uh, it's in the sun today. And I'm sure you can, you can go through. There's probably loads of you who do that already. I think there was something a while ago, wasn't there? Somebody went out and buy, discovered if you bought bananas, you got something free. So they went and bought loads and loads of bananas. And then they got, they got a discount code on it. And in the end, do you remember I went out to Clinton's? And, and it was a, a couple of Christmases ago. And I bought some candles. And she said, would you like to buy a teddy bear? And she said, it's, uh, the teddy bear's only a fiver. I know, or whatever it was, or a power. I can't remember what it was, anyway. So I said, all right, I'll buy a teddy bear for a fiver. So I got the teddy bear, and she said, now, because you've spent over this amount of money, you get this much off. I said, right. And so the candles were nineteen ninety nine. the teddy was worth ten ninety nine, and I got the whole lot for under nine quid, because of the dis... It was all very bizarre. So I was so excited by this that I went and bought another lot. I said, well, I'll buy another load of candles and another teddy bear. So I walked out with... In the end, I bought another load of candles... And another teddy bear. So I've now got... Well, I did have. I've given them away to people. I had three teddies and a load of candles. How cool is that? Because every time we added money on it... Well, then she said, would you like to give money to breast cancer? So I certainly would. And uh, so I gave... And that also added on to the price. And then at the tiller, you ended up with 50% off. So brilliant. Brilliant. Listen, we're going to take a short break for the news at six. You've got 30 minutes. I have a sneaking feeling there won't be a... Free podcast for today because of the free word and uh, things like that. But we will struggle through recording the links for Sundays in conversation. But we will have in the next part of the programme a couple of clips of our in conversation for Sunday, which is going to be Ardalo Hanlon and Marty Pello. Poor old Marty. We recorded him ages ago and he kept getting shoved back with his new album. So we'll have a lot of conversation with him and we'll have a chat to Jane Asher, who will be in. As well, this is uh, party that would have run on. That's very confusing. Would have run on Sunday, but we had a bit of a bit of a gremlin in the machine, and it wiped three quarters of the interview. Plus, I'll tell you about the gadget giveaway if you've just joined us, and I'll bore the pants off you again by telling you that the reason we're whistling through our teeth this morning 
It's because my bridge fell out. And if it's not glued back in later on today, I'm going to be in for a very miserable weekend. I should be a very unhappy person. But at the moment, we're bubbling along and we're, we're cooking quite nicely, thank you. News at six with Dan is next. 7-3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning! Friday morning, I keep rushing out to the uh, to the loo to have a look at my teeth in the... Uh, trying to work out how it's going to be glued back in again, but I'm sure we'll manage it. It'll be bored sensitive. By the, t- by the time you've podcasted this programme later on, you'll be going, good Lord, honestly, what does he talk about all the time? Why does it sound like he's whistling through his... It's amazing, though, isn't it? When you put your finger in your mouth, I mean, I, I at one time nearly became a speech therapist. Nearly. Until I realised that it, it paid very little money and there was going to be no advantage to trading for five years. But it's amazing, if you put your finger... In there, you actually can sort of say the F word. It's because it's, it's, I don't know how to describe it really. It's a little bit like My Fair Lady. You know, gold and darn and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Kim Sharpington from Northweald. Well done, Kim. The other day, she identified in our gadget giveaway that mulligatawny is a type of soup. Well done. She got the Google Nexus tablet today... Being a Friday, and it's the only bit of good news on the horizon, as far as I'm concerned, it's an iPhone 5. The Apple iPhone 5 can be yours, the most desirable smartphone on the market. One lucky person will win the Apple iPhone 5 today, but you need to know the answer to this question. What type of food is a cantaloupe? What type of food is a cantaloupe? To enter, text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 848 Five o before 6.30 this morning. So, what type of food is a cantaloupe? Text the word gadget. Then your answer, a cantaloupe is a... And then you send that to 84850. OK? It's got to be here before 6.30. So you've got about 20, 25 minutes. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions are online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck with that one, because it's a, it's a really nice prize, and I'd love it to be you. At least it'll cheer up your weekend, won't it, I should imagine, if somebody says somebody phones you from LBC later on today and goes, by the way, your name has been uh, selected, you've been picked out the hat, and you've got yourself the Apple iPhone 5. Right, uh, in this part of the programme, A will run uh, back through the papers again. There's all the uh, the pictures of this Texas fertiliser factory. 15 feared dead, which of course is, I mean, 15 dead is, is bad enough. We were saying yesterday there were between 50 and 70 people because that was the early indications which were coming out of Waco. Uh, now they've said this, but the devastation, like a nuclear bomb going off. It really was absolutely Terrible, absolutely terrible. Uh, so that's on the front of a lot of the uh, the papers for today. Some of the other papers, well, in fact, one is running with the McCanns. Uh, Kate McCann has been told how twisted internet trolls have threatened to shoot her when she runs the London Marathon. You see, these immediately, and I've said before, if you get anything like this, which sounds remotely like a threat uh, or something which could harm you, you go to the police. They can find these people... Very, very quickly. It doesn't take too much to find them. They have uh, internet connections, and you can see their server number straight away. You can find them and pin them down. In fact, if uh, if one boxer managed to find somebody, they can. Ser- if somebody threatens to to do harm to you and to damage your life, you know whether you're a whether you like the McCanns or whatever it is, you know nobody should ever have stuff like that. You know, I'm going to shoot you whilst you're on the marathon. Well, then you have to have these people arrested. They'll they'll turn out to be pathetically sad, stupid, lonely people. 
but you have to get them stopped. So that's on the front. Plus, uh, Amanda Thatcher, as I predicted yesterday, is the new Pippa Middleton. Amanda Thatcher. Because she was so good. She's prettier than Pippa Middleton. And she doesn't seem to be obsessed with the publicity, which Pippa Middleton is. So we like that. Prince Harry is giving his girlfriend, Cressida, a bonus the chop. And she's happy about it. Uh, apparently, the Smitten Royal is teaching karate to his posh new pal. So that's good there. I didn't actually know that he did uh, karate, Prince Harry. Perhaps it's something that he's, he's undertaken recently. And ex-rolling stone star Bill Wyman says the band's Hyde Park gigs this summer will be a letdown. Wyman, 76, says they will not capture the atmosphere of the legendary gig there in 1969. He says they're playing to 60,000. We played to half a million. When we played, the whole of London closed down. Certainly did. Certainly did. What? What's the matter? What? Yes, in a minute. In a minute. No rush. We've got loads of time. We've got 20 minutes left on the programme. We can, we can stick teeth in and decorate and do everything this morning. It's quite easy. Uh, plus, uh, Beck's the Lionheart. David Beckham dropping this hint of what he's going to do when he hangs up his boots. Uh, throughout his playing career, he's been involved with many worthy roles, promoting sport off the pitch. He's also lined his own pockets particularly well, I thought. He's so globally world-famous that now he's, he's mobbed by fans and he wants to inspire ordinary kids to play, play sport. But I thought he did that before. Wasn't there a David Beckham soccer school which closed mysteriously? Well, then we already had that in London, or did I miss that one? Oh, we definitely had it, I'm pretty certain, pretty certain. Anyway, ten past uh, six, 20 minutes left to get your entries in for the great gadget giveaway for today. Your chance to get your hands on the iPhone 5. Joining me on uh, Sunday morning... For In Conversation is the wet, wet, wet singer, Marty Pello. Now, as we all know, he has one of the most distinctive voices in pop. And he explained to me just how central to his whole life his voice is. I, I, you know, pretty much pop songs. You know, all, you know, from a record collection, from a father's and mother's record <laughs> collection. It's very eclectic. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, I, I, you know, I enjoy that. And I love hearing other people sing. I would you love... try and stretch your voice if you're sitting in the car and you're listening, you know, you put a CD on, mm-hmm. just sing along with it and oh, see yeah. if you can pitch up? Oh, absolutely, you know, and I think that, you know, I use the voice every day. It's my, it's my form of communication yeah. through the spoken word as, as well as my, my, my vocation in life, singing and communicating that and being able to explore different timbers of your voice that you experience in this record yeah. that, that you can't use in a pop arena or a jazz or a blues arena. It's to show the diversity of the voice and how it grows and how how it becomes, you become more honed in your instrument. It's very interesting listening to Marty Pello because he started life as a, a pop singer, but he grew up listening to his parents' uh, albums, which were all show tunes. And when you hear him singing show tunes on this album, it's quite a shock. You don't really expect him to sing them. He's got, so, he's got some really good stories. So that'll be this Sunday morning, Marty Pello. Also joining me on Sunday morning is the actor and comedian, Ardell O'Hanlon, who is best known, of course, for playing the dippy uh, Dougal in Father Ted, but our conversation uh, had a rather supernatural turning, as you'll now hear. Uh, myself and my wife were in bed, and our one-year-old was in the bed between us. And it was a Saturday morning, about half eight, and there was a knock on the door. Sort of, I turned to my wife and said, who would that be at half eight on a Saturday morning? This is outrageous. And I was about to get up and look, when my little daughter, who, who wasn't saying much, like she's only one, so she's only got a few words, she said, it's a lady with a pram. This just came out of nowhere. So I kind of looked at my wife and and I jumped out of bed and I went down the stairs and I opened the door and I, because it was a bit late, the lady with the pram had, had, uh, had begun to walk off down the path. So 
you know, that was a spooky experience. I can't explain that. Um, she hasn't done anything too weird since. Ted hasn't turned around in bed or anything. Nice man. More from Ardlow Hanlon about Father Ted and uh, what he's up to. He's got a tour coming up. He's got a tour coming up, so he'll be joining me on Sunday morning on LBC 97.3, where we will sound complete, as it were. So Ardlow Hanlon and Marty Pello. Sunday morning in conversation, and we will have the best of Steve Allen. That's the... <laughs> whether or not anything from today's programme makes the best of us. I think it's highly unlikely, actually. So we've already assembled the programme for the best of us. Oh, thank goodness for that. Can you imagine? One minute sounding normal, the next minute whistling, you know, as if I'm sort of trying to pick people up or something. All very worrying. So that'll be Sunday morning on LBC 97.3. Apparently, going up in the world, where you stand in the lift reflects your social status. More senior men direct themselves towards the back of the elevator cabin. I do that. I do that. I, when I go into a lift, I stand at the back. I kind of blend in a little bit. And that apparently means you're senior. Well, that's good. I like that. Younger men tend to take a spot in the middle of the lift. Oh, no, I definitely don't take a spot in the middle of the lift. Definitely not. And women of all ages and status stood at the front, closest to the door. Wow. So it's all based on a micro-social hierarchy. But isn't that interesting? I stand at the back of the lift. That's where senior people are. Do they mean senior old? Do they mean senior in terms of what you do? Either way, I'm always at the back of the lift. But we've got lift doors that open both sides. God, I'm now really confused. LBC 97.3 LBC 97.3 This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. There's a new TV show coming up which will reveal working at Greg's is not a piece of cake. I hope it's going to be marginally more interesting than the Eddie Stobart programme. God, blimey, I've never done anything so boring in my life. Eddie Stobart lorries, OK? What they do is they deliver from here to here. And the whole programme consists of opening up a lorry, putting stuff in it, closing it up and driving it from here to here. And that's it. Greg's, I assume, will be, here are some cakes, here are some poor students, here are people obsessed with not particularly brilliant quality stuff, but it's cheap. And that doesn't sound very exciting at all to me. It's all made in Twickenham, so if nothing else, we'll have Twickenham on the map again. Um, we were going to be, this Sunday, running an interview with Jane Asher, but because our computer decided to play silly beggars the other day, I have to tell you that it is not possible. So yesterday and today, we've uh, cut two pieces out of the remaining piece of it. It's like having only sort of bits of Tutankhamun's tomb there. Uh, because uh, Jane came in to talk about making people aware of Parkinson's and she highlighted yesterday the case of a lady who was standing in the chemist and she's affected by Parkinson's but the people behind her she heard them saying don't go anywhere near her she's drunk and of course she wasn't drunk she was suffering from the effects of Parkinson's uh, one lady that Jane knows had it for 25 years people go on a, a, a complete you know cocktail of medicine to try and keep it in shape there is no cure it's like a lot of things nowadays there is no cure for it the best you can do is try and keep it at bay but anybody who suffers and there's probably lots of you will be glad that this week this past week we're making people aware of the difficulties of dealing with Parkinson's. So when Jane Asher came in, that's what we were talking about, and also how complicated medicating this condition can be. The drug regime is crucial. I mean, right. at least there are drugs that treat it, and I, I'd always hate to think what it must have been like, you know, 100 years ago when these drugs we didn't have didn't anything. Exist. Well, the drugs mimic the effects of the dopamine that the brain is not producing. 
It's a drug called levodopa. The problem is it's very complex, the regime of the drug, and there are sort of various other drugs that you use with it and that, that kind of help it, boost it, or minimise its bad effects and so on. So it's a very complex regime that needs to be tailored to each individual. But the problem is that the side effects of the drugs can become so severe that eventually you may have to stop taking it. This doesn't always happen, but it is a, it's a real problem. And there are all sorts of other approaches now being looked at. There's something called deep brain stimulation, which can be very effective. Yeah. In the right case, done at the right time, that can really help if the drugs are, have become intolerable. But we need more research. I mean, we pour masses of money at Parkinson's UK into research. We yeah. don't just support those living with the disease. And I, I have real hope for the future. I think we will, before too long get so many well-targeted drugs that the symptoms will be so well-controlled it could almost be tantamount to what you could call a cure. There was an interview which was done, uh, I think, with, with your brother-in-law and you, and, you know, he looked perfectly normal, but he was, he was doing the shaking, which people aren't aware, they don't know, and, he's, and that's a man on 25 tablets a day. Yes, no, he, he is very much affected by the side effects of the drugs. That's, yeah. that's more what his movement is. He has this um, dyskinesia, it's called, where you're sort of weaving and moving all the time, constantly. And it, funnily enough, he says it doesn't bother him too much. For the person watching him, it's quite distressing. So he actually can't stop it? No, oh no, he can't stop it. No, he is... He is and he's aware of it? Of, yes, he's completely aware of it, but it doesn't... He says it doesn't bother him as much as it would appear to do to the outside. Yeah. But he has big problems. He has a lot of pain. I mean, now people don't think of yeah. Parkinson's causing pain, but it does very often, and, and it does in his case. But he is remarkably stoic and has a terrific sense of humour. Mm. I mean, who knows what goes on inside, and I've no doubt he does get very depressed. Uh, but he's so good at laughing off some of the, the funny things that happen to him. And is there enough backup for people now? I mean, if, if somebody listening, you know, has a relative who, who has Parkinson's, is there, are there enough people they can call on? Or is there enough help at the end of a telephone? Are there enough people who visit? I mean, what is the support network? No, there isn't enough. Of course there isn't enough. One of the greatest helps is, is what we call the Parkinson's nurse. And these specialised nurses who are trained up, we, we will pay for their training, the, the charity pays for the training. Thereafter, once they're in position, that position will be maintained by state funding. So this is a very good scheme, but there are not enough of them. And I've had so many people with Parkinson's say to me, oh, if only I could find a Parkinson's nurse near to me in my area. And others who said to me, this nurse has changed my life. Because well. they understand the drugs, the very complex regime, they understand what you may be going through. So we could do with more of those. And that, of course, needs money. And I didn't even know such a thing existed. Oh, yes, it's a wonderful network of these <sighs> nurses who are, and very often know far more than the GP will know because yes. it is so complex. So we need far more Parkinson's nurses. We need more support generally. Of course, with so many conditions, it can be hard to get what what you deserve, what is your right. So, no, there's, there's never enough. I mean, if people would like to help, parkinsons.org.uk, there's so many ways to help and support us. And those kind of donations can go directly towards supporting a nurse. There you go, Jane Asher, and uh, talking there about uh, Parkinson's and trying to highlight the, the problems that there are. Do go to the website and check out more. As I say, I'm just sorry we couldn't bring you more of that interview that the, uh, the computer did. If it, it had been tape, I could have excused myself. But the computer decided to play silly beggars and, uh, and erase most of it, I'm afraid. But at least we managed to get those bits which we salvaged. Uh, so on Sunday, the best of Steve Allen. And then after that, it'll be Ardell O'Hanlon and Marty Pello. As I say, I can only apologise to Marty Pello fans everywhere who've been waiting for weeks for this interview. We recorded it. It was weeks ago now. And so I'm very sorry, but it, it's worth waiting for 
on Sunday, and we'll have the best of Steve Allen. That'll be between five and... I can't do these five still. Five and seven o'clock on Sunday morning. Don't make me laugh, because if you make me laugh, it looks even worse. Anyway, final time this morning for the LBC Gadget giveaway after Kim from Northfield. Kim Sharpington. Well done, Kim. Got herself the fabulous Google Nexus tablet. She knew that Mulligatawny was soup. Today, it's the Apple iPhone 5. The one that you really want. The most desirable smartphone on the market at... Not even I've got one. Not even I've got one. All I need to know from you is what type of food is a cantaloupe. What type of food is a cantaloupe? To enter, text the word gadget... G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer. A cantaloupe is a type of... And then send that to 84850, before 6.30 this morning. Literally a couple of minutes away. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Nick and the, uh, the team with you this morning. Uh, not only... Will Boris Johnson be here? He'll be taking... Uh, uh, I don't think he's taking any calls today. He'll be telling Nick about his trade mission to the Gulf, but Ed Balls will be taking your calls and telling Nick why he's still determined to run the London Marathon despite the Boston bombing. And that's going to be on Sunday morning, so we'll be covering it, no doubt, on LBC. A lot of people raising money for, you know, some really, really good causes. So let's uh, ignore all the, the bad bits about what happened at Boston and surge ahead with it. So if you're taking part in the marathon, good luck. I hope that you raise lots and lots of money. I hope you complete the course. And you do very, very well indeed. Uh, The one story in the paper today, the Daily Mirror, is Nigella Lawson, who has lost a ton of weight, not through dieting, through being hypnotised. There's something worth uh, checking out. So the Daily Mirror today, uh, Lisa Riley is talking about her cancer nightmare. Uh, The Mail today are talking about... Uh, calls to relax the rules on GM crops, backed by the nation's chief scientist, and the Daily Express talking about a simple checkup to beat diabetes. All of that and more you'll discover in the pages of the papers. They have a great weekend. Hopefully, we won't have a lisp on Monday by the time we get uh, get back in the studio. It's dentist later on today. Have a great weekend. Nick and the team at seven next on LBC ninety seven point three. The morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC. 